Welcome to the Real Deal Podcast. Uh, Maddie Marshall and coming up on the first PSP of 2013 in Dallas, March 14th through 17th. So make sure to tell every single person that you know for vast entertainment value and the love <laughs> of the game uh, that, you know, watch the show because the more people to watch it, the better, the better paintball does. And uh, I'm incredibly excited because I got my buddy, um, longtime friend and uh, co-host and, you know, somebody who I've always appreciated his love for the game and his ability to play it and his passion for it um, on and off the field, Chris Lasoya. Chris, how you doing, buddy? Fantastic. Finally make a trip down to your San Diego. Yeah, <laughs> trying to get Chris hey, to come, uh, come down and do the podcast for like... It's hard. It's, uh, a little you know. bit. Hey, man, you're a busy man. I I, I, you're a busy man. I mean, we're it's both okay. busy men, but at the it's same time, right. you know, I watch these podcasts and I'm jealous. I'm like, man, he replaced me with that guy? I see Rusty <laughs> up there in his, in his little suit shirt and... Stuff like that, and I'm like, man, I got to get down there and see this guy. So, well, you yeah, live man. really far from me right now. I do. I live at least an it's hour at north. At least of an here. hour. <laughs> at least an hour north. Hey, an hour in California. That's like five <laughs> hours most people places. Hey, some people. It's funny because people are always giving a shit about living down here by the beach and how we won't leave this little <laughs> bubble to go anywhere. And all the guys that live in Encinitas, which is just, or I'm sorry, Del Mar, which is like two beach communities north. We always joke with each other. It's like, oh, come up to Del Mar. I'm like, oh, bro, come down to Pacific yeah, Beach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and, you know, you're right, man. It, it's hard to leave your little bubble. But it's not that hard to come down here to San Diego. It's beautiful. I know, and I mean, you know, you could equally just talk shit back to me and say, "Well, you got to come up to LA." Yeah, I, I mean, well, I mean, get up I wouldn't say as far as LA. I mean, Orange County. Yeah, we got <laughs> Huntington Beach. Yes, I don't go much further than Seal Beach. That's about as far as I go. <laughs> yeah. So, Chris, um, it's going to be crazy year. There's going to be, uh, and and for everyone that's looking for the the latest and the hottest paintball news, we got a little bit of that for you. But honestly, we're going to spend the bulk of this conversation because Chris uh, talking about your history talking about the game back in the day talking about where where we came and where we are now because I, I really think that a lot of people don't understand your importance to the sport of paintball in the sense that you know what it means and what it looks like and how you play and the whole vibe it, really a lot of it there's you know multiple guys that contributed to that but you were one of the preeminent guys and the preeminent guy for years really kind of putting paintball on your back as far as what it was like to be a pro player, how you play the game, the mental approach to the, and the aggressive side, the aggressive nature. I mean, you know, now it's paintball is kind of codified and, and kind of gotten into this, this area where there's a specific look, there's a specific style, there's a specific mechanics to it. And a lot of that was created years ago in the woods by players like yourself. You know, I mean, how do you, just before we get into some of the crazier stuff that's going on recently, because we're a couple weeks out of the event, it's going to be an insane show. But I just want to get, a, a, just ask you real quick, when you were playing back in the day, and we'll get a little bit more thoroughly into the story, but when you were playing back in the day, why were you so intense? Where, where did that aggressive mentality come from? Where, where is that from? You always put the chip on your shoulder, and it's like it helped you greatly along the way. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, I've always... Uh, you know, you have your certain personalities in this world. Some people are, you know, alpha male. Some people are this. Some people are that. And I just, in everything I do, whether it be wrestling or, or baseball or whatever you might be doing out in the world, you know, I've always been one of those players that just goes for it all. You know, swing for the fences every time. You know, no regrets. You know, don't worry about anything. Just go out there and do it because I've always been in the philosophy of, you know, if you try your hardest and you fail, at least you tried your hardest. Mm -hmm. You know, and... Um, you know, we, we talked about this before. There's things that I would try back in the day in the woods that it's like, man, 
you know, there's a, I'd make that one move out of a hundred, and ninety five point of the times are you know of the times I get shot in the face, and they don't remember those ninety five times. It's the five times you remember when you ran through and shot nine ten guys, you know, back when we were playing. Well, mm-hmm. Actually, when I started playing, it was fifteen man. And you it was, were playing all the way back in fifteen man. Oh yeah, back in the day, we shoot, the legal limit was three hundred twenty five feet per second. Fifteen man, no face mask, oil based paint. You shoot twenty five balls a day, and you were a god, <laughs> you know. Um, but this is, I mean, I, I was like, you know, fifteen years old back then. It was yeah. it was in the woods, and it was a lot of fun. But I was just always. Just a, I'm a very aggressive personality, regardless. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I saw this the other day, and I wanted to share this with you because I, uh, you know, you're one of my buddies, and I thought of this because at the time it was when that um, that uh, that paintball book had just come out, um, Paintballer, which is pretty sweet. Definitely check it out by the guys that used to do Faceful Magazine, and uh, Ronda Rousey was getting ready. She just won in a pretty sweet fight against Liz Carmouche, but she was getting ready for her like inaugural, you know, UFC chick championship 135 fight. And, you know, I follow her on Instagram, interesting personality, interesting story. And she had posted this, uh, this one quote. And I was like, wow, this reminds me of a lot of the guys that I love and respect in this world, you know, you know, with all their greatness and all their flaws, you know, and it, cause Ron has been, criticized as being like too brash too outspoken she talked too much shit blah 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 blah. but her intensity and her will to be the greatest is is impressive and it's something to learn from you know and so she had posted this quote um by a guy i've never heard of called david m shoop and it says the galleries are full of critics they play no ball they fight no fights they make no mistakes because they attempt nothing down in the arena are the doers they make mistakes because they try many things the man who makes no mistakes lacks boldness and the spirit of adventure. He is the one who never tries anything. It's his break on the wheel of progress. And yet it cannot truly be said that he makes no mistakes because his biggest mistake is the very fact that he tries nothing, does nothing, except to criticize those who do things. Hmm. You know? And that, I was that's, like... That's a great quote right there by the guy. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So it's it's just... It was always kind of... That's as I was thinking like, oh, Chris coming down to a podcast. I was like, what do I really want to talk to Chris about? Because I mean, shit, dude, we could talk for... <laughs> three hours about the event coming up, you mm-hmm. know, and you definitely should check it out. It's going to be crazy, you know, like there's, but, and that's what I want to get to a little bit after we talk a little bit about what's going on in the PSP right now is, yeah, man, I want to, let's tell some, let's tell some stories, dude. You know, this is, this is the time to do it. I think it deserves to be, you know, I think it's, it's something that people, I want to hear. You well, know, you know, so. getting, getting back to the woods days, like we had talked about before, <clears throat> you know, back when it was 15 man, you know, 325 feet per second, so on and so forth. That was just the infancy of paintball. There was no amateur, there was no pro, there was no this, no that. There was two divisions, teams, and they got and they beat each other up and that's the way it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we fast forward to the progression of paintball with the introduction of hyperball and airball. That's pretty much where the pinnacle of paintball took the turn from in the woods and a war game to a sport in my personal opinion because you know there's some there's some people that brought the hyperball back into it and hyperball is played in those as you know um uh the tubes for drainage you know the plastic tubes for drainage look like and sewer drains yeah exactly so look like sewer drains made, the, made a fantastic sound i can still hear in my mind <laughs> and you yeah. know you know when you can go and you know when you can you know when you were getting shot yeah at. so all you guys at home um, just look up hyperball real quick if you're not familiar with the term just take take a look at it real quick and you'll understand what i'm talking about but what it did was is it created the angles on an open field um, and you know, there's like tree limbs made out of, you know, it was, it's hard to explain, but they, you know, brought the paintball game outside of the woods into a flat playing ground where it's a lot easier, more viewable, and it's very viewer friendly, so to speak. Well, the moves are magnified mm-hmm. and that's, and the game really can be broken down all in, in a way that 
it can be positional. I mean, it was already positional. We already had positions on the, the, the basic positions that exist when you watch a game in 2013, those existed 20 years ago. It was a way different thing back then, but that's the cool thing about that, you know, the kind of, it's almost like paintball was distilled. You know, in order to get really high level booze, you need to take something that has booze in it <laughs> and then you need to distill it. That's why they call it a spirit. You know, they call it a spirit because you're literally distilling it, which creates this vapor. And then they take that vapor and condense it and they do that multiple times. And after you do that a bunch of times and you get vodka or you get whiskey, you get like a really potent brew. And so the current what we're playing right now is a, is like a vodka of the original game of paintball. That, that That's a great way to put it, too, because now before we would have bad side and good sides. And, you know, I've been I, we've all been on oh both sides God. of the fence. Bad sides I and mean, good sides. Back in the day, you'd have a high side, a low side. You get the high side, you're good. You get the low side, you're pretty much screwed. Nowadays, what Hyperball did was was take the paintball field and make it equalize, so to speak. Now both sides are equal. So. If I'm going to that spot, so are you, and there's no different from side to side. However, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, now the better team, in, in theory, um, would have more strategy and, you know, win. It brought strategy into the game. So, Well, we had strategy before, but mm-hmm. if you had the bad side of the field, on some of these fields that we used to play on back mm-hmm. in the day, you're not going to win unless you do something crazy. But which that became stories in and of itself. You know, yes. like, oh, they, yes. they won. For which side they have? They won from the bad side. But, yeah. oh, my God. Yes. Avalanche just beat, you know, the All-Americans from the bad side. What they do? How do they do it? Exactly. And then you try to find out. And that's another thing that is not so not only are you intensifying the action that's that's uh, that's occurring but you make it viewable right because that is you know because back in the day man i remember the first you know the first tournament the first big tournament i ever went to in 1994 was uh the first time the world cup was in orlando and i was 16 and walking around with eyes the size of saucer plates about (laughs) with all the cool shit that was going on but in order to you know and then i looked at the schedule and i was playing on a pro team at the time playing on navarone we didn't play the ironman that that tournament we played them the following year but uh which was like kind of a dream you know to play them even though the navarone was a big team in the 80s so i got on to a big pro team being like and being given that lineage like hey kid you know you're 16 but you're playing like read these magazines and i worked at a, a store at the time so i was given every single paintball magazine that had literally been published up until that point all throughout the eight, you know, the the mid to late '80s, and so I read about all these like legendary ne- names and teams, and like all these the guys that invented the sport, literally invented the sport out of nothing, you know. And Navarone was one of those teams with some of those guys, and but at the time, like they weren't that good, you know. But so then we go there, and in order to watch a game, you had to trek into the woods, into the jungle of Florida, <laughs> yeah. through the swamp, snakes and everything, with, with yeah, canes just or snake, yeah, just snakes all everywhere, spiders. <laughs> like it was, you know, I'm from California, I'm used to snakes and spiders, but they got a different breed of that stuff out in Florida. Absolutely. So, and then to watch a team, a big team play, and now you can just go to the grandstands and or watch it online, you know, for free. I mean, it's like. Oh, then that's that's amazing. That's what that's what so good about paintball access and stuff like that is that these kids now can. What I used to do when I was younger, like in the in the woods, I didn't, you know, I did, I used to get my ass kicked all the time. But when I got my ass kicked, while well, all the team, while well, my friends and everything went back to the hotel and sat and cried about it, I'd go out and I would actually get on the field and ref these teams. So I, I mean, people don't really know this, but I used to go out and ref. Even the after when you shucks. were, you were, an, that's another crazy thing about back in the days. We'd ref each other. We would. All right, hold on. Let's talk about some of the crazy stuff that's going on in the tournament because I want to jump into these old stories as soon as we possibly can. All right, big things are happening at Dallas. I, the way I look at it, and you know, Chris, you can c- correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I think it's. 
you know, there's a legitimate shot for about eight teams to win the event. That's a, I mean, that's crazy. You know, that's like having, I mean, that's like a, a Kentucky Derby or something when you got thir- all just nothing but stud thoroughbreds running against each other, Phillies running against each other, the best in the world. Like, let's see who's going to win. And that's kind of what we got heading up right here. Now, obviously, Houston Heat's the favorite. They won three events last year. They took second place at the first event they ever even had, were in. Houston Heat's, the, you know, they're the top dog. They're at the, 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 the pinnacle of the sport right now. Everyone's trying to knock them off. And a lot of these bigger teams have revamped their rosters coming into this event just to do that. They're like, okay, well, Randy Smith and Houston Heat, the owner of Houston Heat, who put together an all-star squad and Jason Trozen. So anyway, that family came out with this ridiculous team in 2012 and beat down a lot of really, really, well, there was a lot of close games, but they beat a lot of really, really good teams, like top-level, ridiculous rosters, all-stars, every single one of them. Uh, Damage has had off-season hits, you know? I mean, they lost Justin Rabikoff and Dave Baines to Impact. I think that's a huge loss, too. You know, go on, go on that a little bit. No, that, that's think? that's a huge loss. I mean, David Baines is a he's a beast because they're downplaying it. You yep. know, damage is downplaying those losses. They're saying, you know, yeah, Dave's amazing, but we can put we'll just have we're just gonna have the MVP and or like he was a People's Choice MVP. The top gun was Burnikov from the Russians, but resoundingly, as we have not only just the People's Choice, like the People's Choice Award MVP, like the player who people or who the fans voted for was Jason Edwards, right? And he lost, or he won, he beat Ryan Greenspan by a, a little bit. Um, so their answer to that is like, let's just play Jason Edwards a little bit more. We'll play him until the wheels fall off. Now, okay, so okay, we lose Dave, and then but and then they're saying Justin didn't have a great year in 2012, but he's a phenomenal player. I agree with you. I I I, I do agree with them a little bit in the sense that yes, you can definitely play Jason Edwards because he's a specimen. You can play him every point. Um, but Dave Baines is huge, and J. Rab's like one of the most talented paintball players on earth. So, and, and I've been I've been saying this all year, Maddie, that they've been playing Jason. Uh, not, I'm sorry, Justin Rabikov out of position. Okay, he I, I think he's most comfortable in the snake. That's where you know when I when he was a kid, we used to throw his little ass in there and make him go to work, and mm-hmm. you know that's where he made a name for himself. You know, I, I don't think he's his, I think he's a good player outside of the snake, but I think that he's in his element in the snake, and I think that's where he's going to make a name for himself again. Now, on the flip side, Justin Cornell, another great dominant snake player. Plus, they picked up another, you know, impact. Another, they have three good snake players now. Mm-hmm. So where are you going to put Justin Rabikoff? You know, so Could he find himself in the same position he was with Tampa. that he was with Tampa? Because think about it. I agree with you, man. Absolutely. You got a really talented guy who rose to prominence because of his ability to play that one, to play that first guy in, in the snake. And he went to damage and didn't really do that very much. Now, J-Rab's also a very versatile player, so he probably was like, I'm because you know when you talk to him, he's like, hey, I just did whatever the team told me to do. You know? So... I don't know. You know, that's kind of one of those. But he could find himself in the same position as Scott Kemp just walked in here. I live with Scott Kemp. <laughs> Hi, Scotty. Hi, Scott Kemp. <laughs> um, we don't have an extra microphone for you, though. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, uh, so he could find himself in the same position again because he's coming onto a roster that already has a phenomenal one in Justin Cornell. And a lot of the teams now are stacking up these rosters, but most teams are going towards a starting five lineup where the, f- the best five that they feel play. And then, you know, obviously that's going to be a tough thing for some of these coaches to call. If you're a Rusty Glaze on Dynasty, who's your one? If you're, yeah. That's a little bit different a case. But yeah, okay, if you're Impact, who's your one? 
Are you going to, you, they're not going to go away necessarily unless he's terrible in practice, which I don't see happening. Justin Cornell, you know, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I mean, I've never really seen Justin Cornell play bad ever. Yeah, that's I think true. he's pretty consistent. Yeah, he is. Very um, consistent. But on the flip side, is there's so many points played at these tournaments that if you consistently go out in three and four points, have a bad day, I, I'll, as a coach, I'd pull you out. I'm saying, look, you're having a bad day. I understand. You're, you're not a bad player. You're having a bad day. Next in, bam, here yeah. we go. If you're having a bad day too, peace out. Then you have three. So yeah. it's like a profession, any professional team, professional football, basketball. Yeah. Your third string is pretty damn good yeah. regardless. Yeah. They might not play that much, but when you need them and they're there, they're going to perform because they want it more. And then all of a sudden, they're not the third string anymore. Then all they're second or first string. Yeah, so. and that also, that's kind of a Sunday question too because you know each day is a different day. And... I mean, how often do we see this? You see a guy show up on Friday, you know, or show up in the prelims and not show up on Sunday or show up on Friday, mm -hmm. not show up Saturday. I mean, you know, it's, it's not like it happens every event, but well, it does happen every event to somebody some, right. on one of the teams. So, yeah, so that, that could be an issue for, for J-Rab. So, but damage is still strong. They got Brian Smith coming back. Now, is Brian Smith going to come back at a level that he was at before? I mean, the competition's I, I, different. I, I say absolutely. I, I say too, that, I, but I gotta throw was, it out there because- great, But you're right though, 100%. You know, and it's yeah. a question. Yeah. You know, obviously, Brian Smith is is an amazing snake player, and on good days, and you could say this about a good 20 guy, maybe not 20, but a good like 12 guys, maybe 10 guys, that on, it, on any given day, they're the best in the world. But Brian Smith is one of those guys, or he's he was. very consistent. He's always consistent when he was playing regularly and played in the team. And, and, and also when he was hungry, because when, when, he, when Tampa was on their rise to prominence, one of the big factors of that, and I think a lot of people forget this, is one of the big facts, factors and facts about their rise to the top was that, you know, they didn't come in like Heat did. They didn't come in at second place. You know, those are, a, a, that's a group, of, that's not an all-star team. You know, that's like, that's like an impact that uh, where Impact is, uh, now they're an all-star team, but Impact is a team where, you know, that's a pretty, that's kind of a home, I guess now it's an all-star team, but it was, a, when they rose up, that they was weren't kind always, of a homegrown team. They weren't always team. that way, yeah, yeah. Tampa Bay Damage is a homegrown team. That's a lot of guys now, yeah, they did import some, some guys that have been playing the game for a long time on Strange, so they did, were able to get to a very high level very fast, but they didn't come out as a championship squad. It took them, a, you know, a little bit of time to find their legs and realize, yeah, we are some of the greatest. Yeah. But that's like guys like Chad Boucher, Dan Holiday, and like, like Jason you said, Edwards. God, and you said this perfectly, and this brings up a good point. Back players that played for for damage. Look for Mike Carthy. Mike Carthy was yep. there. Who's one retired of the best, now? But we should. Yeah, he, he, he was some an, amazing. He is he is a he is a Dave Baines. Per, you know, he is the same person as Dave Baines, right? So they now Mike Carthy leaves. Dave Baines comes in and fills his spot, right? And so to speak, fills his spot. Now that Dave Baines is gone, we admit, you know we mentioned this earlier. Is it going to hurt him? I think it's going to hurt him a little bit. But now who do they insert in Dave Baines' spot? And you said. Jason, just play Jason. Exactly, Edwards. play Jason Edwards. So now, as you as you said that, maybe that you're right. That's the fix. And like you said, maybe there's not going to be a change because the transformation from Mike Carthy to Dave Baines, there was no transformation. In fact, it made it better. Yeah. You know, I'm not yeah. taking away from Mike Carthy. No, and that's that's a that's a I think something to say about how good Dave is. Right. Because when you look at how good Dave is, I mean, Dave's a guy who's played on a lot of top teams over the years. In fact, you could actually put Dave Baines's career against any paintballs player's career over any 10-year stretch ever, and I think it more than matches up. It probably is the best 10-year span of any of any player ever. I mean, Russian he, was, Legion, he played on Russia Legion when they were a championship yeah. a championship team. He played on Dynasty when they were at the, the pinnacle of, of their greatness, pretty much. 
And then, then he went to damage and played on their team. And, and he's been a star and consistent and amazing on every single team that he's played on. So, And I think that's why, you know, damage is like, yeah, we'll acknowledge that Bane's leaving is a hit. But we have arguably the best back player yeah. in the game. You Still. know, if you didn't have Jason Edwards as your other three, like, okay, well, and also he's so good that when we were doing the coach's choice, awards and guys were asked literally we asked the best minds in the game and the question was who's your best overall mvp call him the mvp call him the best player in the game call him the, the dude you'd pick on the paintball schoolyard i want your number one guy you're building a team and who do, and you got an unlimited budget who do you call that's what i want to know okay then we had the best one on the snake side the best one on the Dorito side the best two be the front players on each side of the field the best mid player and the best back player and not only did Jason Edwards get nods at the MVP slot, he also got nods on the back player slot, and he also got nods as a mid player. That's how versatile he is, you know? Well, look at the shape he's in. I mean, yeah. it's, that whole team, actually, if you Which, look at And him, he was a fat kid. He was. His nickname is Fat, fat Kid. Because <laughs> he was fat when he yes. was younger. Yeah, you know? he was. Yep. And he still wears that same beanie. How do you maintain... A beanie, beanie over that, over many, that many seasons. Years. It can't I, be the I, same one. It, it can't, can't be the no same way. beanie. There's, There's no, no way. way. We, need, we need a fact check on that. Yes, absolutely. Edwards, sure. hit us up and let us know if it's this. We want to know how long you've been in that same because beanie. Because your head's not nearly as fat as it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. So, um, yeah, he's phenomenal. And so, you know, okay, so they could put him in there. All right, so because you and me could talk for six hours. Yeah, yeah. Shit we got to talk about, man. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so let's, okay. Uh, yeah, th that's a story right there. How good is damage going to be? Is Brian, is Brian Smith going to come in at the level that he was playing at before? Don't know. That's up to him. And, and, but the, the point I wanted to make was that when damage came up and they started to win events, they did so largely because Brian Smith was destroying people on the snake side of the field. Best player tournament type shit, you know? And that being said... Okay, well, I want to know if that's the same guy we're going to get in 2013. Because in 2010, you were a beast. You were an unstoppable beast against other best players on earth. So is he going to come back at that level? Don't know, you know, and that's up to him. So we'll see. That's fascinating. And how good is damage going to be? Are they good enough to beat Heat? Don't know. Then we got Dynasty, you know, revamping up. They got Brandon Short and Kyle Spica now on their team. Yep. And they picked up Spica specifically to play the one on the snake side. They lost Alice Goldman before World Cup. They just lost Compton Ray, uh, who's going to go play with Aftermath, D1. It's a D1 team to watch out for. And, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I was talking to Randy Smith, the owner of Houston Heat today, and we were talking to Kyle Spica came up in conversation because we were talking about different teams. And I was like, you're looking at Dynasty. I was like, look, Spica is a, a player who um, he's – really good on his good days but he's mentally uh second guesses himself a lot which is a lot of good players i did that for years you know i mean that's just that's a, one of those things that you never really had a problem with that it seems like did I, you ever second guess yourself never. never i mean and i was gonna say i don't think Stream you did consciousness ever. No, I, no that was an internal battle i would always have to fight in fact but well, you hit it well well when well when i when i got to be like okay i remember i got picked up on the ironman i was a front player for a while well there was before i got moved it back by shane because we didn't have a back line we had a back line, but, you know, I remember he came up to me because I was, like, on the edge, dude. You know, I mean, like, I got picked up, and 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 I got picked up with David Williamson, and me and him always had, like, a, you know, unspoken competition going on as to who's the best paintball player because we started playing paintball together our very first day, and then we went on the Ironman together. It's a longer story, but 
And Davey was being looked at as more of an asset than I was. And that would always kind of irk me a little bit, even though I obviously respect the shit out of Davey Williamson. He's the man. But I wanted to be one of those guys, too. And I remember Shane was like, hey, you know, you got to believe in yourself. And, you know, when you just see it and make moves, like, you're really good. You know, you're one of the best guys out there. And, you know, I see that in you. So, you know, I'd like to see more of that. But that's up to you. You know, I, I can't make that decision for you. I can just put you in and give you the chance. But when you get there, if you see it, you got to go, you know. I'd, and he's like, I'd like to see you come out and practice before the this season and just let the reins loose, you know. And so when I went out to practice, if I saw anything, I made that move. And I was destroying people in practice for a little bit of time, you know. And that was – and then after that season – you know, that's when Shane was like, hey, I think you should go to the back line. And I was like, why would I want to play in the back? All the cool guys all play up front or, you know, all that's where all that. If you're an amazing paintball player, you're a front player, you know. And that's when he was like, no, that's why I want you back there. You know, I want you back there because I think you could be good at it. You're a smart, dude. Like make it happen. You know, we need we need that back there. And I was like, eh, I thought that was I didn't agree with it really. But I was like, yeah, whatever you need, Shane, if it's Shane Pistani, you don't say no to him. <laughs> right. And uh, and that was the smartest thing that I ever did. Yeah, you're you're actually one of the premier. You're, you're up there with Dave Baines and those guys. I mean, you were so fantastic at you know playing the back. I mean, you're one of those people that I would watch out for. You know, I'd, I'd have to cheat you twice as much as most people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we had a good ass rivalry yes. for so yeah, many yeah, years. We did too. You know, it's funny because when I was introducing you, I was like, I was gonna say at one point teammate, but actually no, we we played on we played on in, in a Nations Cup together. Yeah, we we have played on this, so we have been teammates, but. Um, but we never, we were always adversaries. Oh, yeah. We always played against each other. Right. And I think that's interesting because, like, like, I never played on, I mean, I've, you know, played on some teams with the Dynasty guys, but I've, I was never on Dynasty, but they were always an adversary that we actually helped train back in the day because there was, like, guys coming <laughs> up, and then yeah. they got better than us. Yeah, they did. So it's like, okay, well, what do you do when your protege becomes better than you? You know, you got to get better. Yeah. You know, so, but it, but that's how greatness happens. That's how... You know, I mean, if you don't have somebody pushing you, like who would you say out of all the years that you played, who are your top five all time? Oh, wow, that's a, that's a tough question, man. Uh, there's a, that's a long span of time okay, right there, bro. I understand, but just, okay. <laughs> the other best guy you've ever played with, and I'm not taking it, you don't even, don't need to qualify it and be like, you can even give me a couple names, but if, who, like, in my, you're thinking of some guys in your head right now. Who oh, are, absolutely. Who are the guys that when you were like, okay, I got, because think about it, even a guy like you who, Dude, Chris, for like 10 years, bro, if there was, if we had all, instead of getting together and playing and playing as like, okay, well, all right, Avalanche is over here and Ironman's over here or, you know, uh, Infamous is over here and whatever. If we were just like, all right, Scotty, you're the captain and uh, so-and-so, you're the captain. Pick guys. You would have been the first pick for like 10 years, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like no one would have even questioned it too. They'd be like, I got Chris Osoya and be like, all right, okay, shit. All right. Um, <laughs> I, I got, you know. That. You know what I'm saying? It's, it is much appreciated, and, and it, you know. I'm not just saying that because no, I, I understand because it's it, people need to understand. You know, there's we're now covering the history of paintball as much as we can with paintball access, and there's a lot of people doing good work. But your the, your best games and the stuff that made you know made your name what it is and made you the player you are in the sport, all those games are lost forever. You know, I mean those like. And that's actually one of the things I want to do is uh, I want to like hit up guys like John Richardson or, you know, a lot, even the guy, a lot of the guys that are playing now, but I want to say like, all right, this is going to be a little history. It's like, all right, John Richardson, what are the five best moves as rated by John Richardson that you ever pulled off? You know, which I'd like to get 
that in a second. But as far as like guys that you've played with, who who are those guys? Like who are the best? Who's your MVP? Who, who's standing there with every paintball? If you're standing on the schoolyard and every single paintball player that ever played the game is there present, all the best guys. Who would you who would you pick? Uh, okay, this this is started from back in like the '80s until now. So I just want names, bro. Okay, I'm it's okay, totally names, up okay. to you. Xander. No, Xander. Yeah, back in the day. For real, Xander Ironman. Uh, this he, he actually he pulled off one of the sickest moves I've ever seen, and this this is out of moves like stuff I've seen. That's okay. Well, crazy. what? Tell me about that because not a lot of people know Xander, but I totally have confidence in your ability to bring one of the best moves that one of the best in the game ever did to light. So please tell me about <laughs> this Xander, move. As we know, Xander was never really, he was a tall, lanky kid. Super tall, lanky. Was never fast. No, it was And it was fast. a horrible shot. <laughs> However. There is one time we were in the woods at the World Cup, and I saw him run from the back corner. And as I'm watching this, I'm trying to shoot him, and I'm a horrible shot too. I'm watching him run. <laughs> accuracy, you're never accuracy. Known for accuracy. I was never very good at accuracy. Volume. I get you close. You got really fast fingers. I, I got fast fingers, and I get close. <laughs> you can get real. You're always close, and you and you can shoot the guns ridiculously <laughs> fast. This you were never known for your accuracy. I can count <laughs> so many times, bro. You've had me dead to rights <sighs> and just flat out miss me. Just and horrible. I was like, thank God Chris just missed me because he's in the center 50, and now I got to win the gunfight. Horrible. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's not such a big of a battle right there. Because now I'm real close to you, too. Oh, and you are you're an excellent shot. I didn't get many chances with you. So anyway, so Xander runs across the field. He bunkers the first guy. I'm like, okay, he's going to trip or fall because he's always clumsy too. <laughs> he doesn't. He keeps running. He gets another guy. And I'm like, oh my God, here he comes. And he's running at me. And somehow this retard shoots me in the goggles. I, I no sooner wipe this off <laughs> to try to shoot him again. So he's playing against you. Yeah, and this is the running best move. through the woods. Yeah. yeah. Shoots me in the goggles. I, I wipe it off just so I can see what I'm trying to do. And he by this time, he's already passed me, shoot the other three guys, and he wins the game. And I was like, that just happened? I couldn't believe it. So that, that's one of the biggest moves I've ever seen. Xander, for sure. All right. So Xander from the Ironman, old school Ironman. Right. Not even one of the names that came no, off that old, old team. Mm -mm. Role player. All right. Who else you got for me? Uh, Gary Noblison, Aftershock. Gary Noblet? Yeah, Noblet. No way. Yeah, well, there's one game in Pittsburgh. All right, first of all, Gary looks like pitcher and <laughs> overweight firefighter with a gnarly, awesome <coughs> mustache. You know what I'm saying? He's not a firefighter. I, I don't even know what Gary does. But back in the day, Aftershock was like lumberjacks and dudes from Chicago with no neck from the south side. They were just really angry and would threaten to beat you up all the time. Even if you just made a good move and didn't even cheat, like they'd still be like, "Oh, we're gonna kick your ass." And be like, "God damn it!" Like I thought, thought I did something good, you know? Like just <laughs> intimidating and really good. And Gary Noblet was like one of the he was one of the biggest guys on the team. It was it was a Gary Noblet uh, Todd Adamson kind of you know compilation at mm -hmm. the same team. So there are the, the fields back in the day, as you know, were a hundred miles long by fifty yards wide, pretty much. Mm -hmm. But theoretically, I mean, they're they're pretty big, massive. Yeah. So if you're on one corner and somebody's on the other side in, in the same corner as you, it's pretty hard to shoot each other because it's so far away. So Todd was in one corner and Gary was in the other corner, and Avalanche is just mowing over everybody else in the middle. And as we're coming in, I think I'm one of the last guys, one of the last guys running up the back, and there's like seven of us, and they pretty much shot every one of us. I'm not sure how it happened, and all of a sudden I find myself standing there. I'm the other side of Todd Abinson at this field because it was a. It was the X field, Starfield, mm -hmm. and the Starfield, as you know, as most of us know, but not you guys at home, is there's a bunch of mounds everywhere. They're about seven feet tall in Pittsburgh, and, in outside Pittsburgh, of Pittsburgh, outside of Pittsburgh, near Gettysburg, actually. Yeah, in Gettysburg, actually, yeah. pretty much. So you have to actually run up over top of these berms, and you don't know if anybody's on the other side of you until you get there. So I run over the top, and I just happen to run in front of Todd Adamson, who's shooting the other way, and we both are back to back. We don't even know each other's there. And I'm shooting at Gary Nobbit across the field, and then Todd 
you know, talks behind me and he's like, he's like, they're coming up the middle. Talk, talking to me and I'm on the other side. I'm on the other side. I'm on avalanche this time. Mm-hmm. And I turn around and I look at him and I'm like, I know. And I shoot him in the back of the head. <laughs> so I see Gary after he shoots her, but he's starting to run and as fast as he is, which is not very fast at all. He's running to get our flag. More of a, more of a, a stumble trot ish thing. Yeah. And all of a sudden I know we're in one on one situation. And at this time I was, I was young. I was, you know, this was a long time ago. I was young. I was, you know, I was fast and, you know, I was playing pretty good. You were very, very, very fast back and, in the day. And I had an angel and this is back when the angel first came out mm-hmm. and Gary had an autococker because this is like the transition from electronic to mechanical, you know, yeah, so on and so yeah. forth. And as we talked about before, I'm not a great shot in the world and I'm running around, the, I'm running around this field and this back when we could shoot, you know, if I have an electronic gun, I shoot 20 balls a second. So yeah. be it. Yeah. Well, I'm running around and all of a sudden I lose this gargantuan of a guy somewhere in the field. So he's, he's running around somewhere and I don't even know where he is. Well, somehow he had tiptoed and got behind me and shot me in the back. So I spun and I shot him back and he's like, um, I don't think so. And he shoots me 20 times in the face. And this guy, this, I was a kid back then. And he comes over to me, he's like, and he grabs the flag because, you know, he's, because back in the day we had, remember he had hang each other's flags mm-hmm. back in the day? Yeah. And uh, capture the flag. Yeah, capture the flag. Yeah. But he had apo- he apologized. He said sorry, and he walked away and went on the flag. And this guy, he had to be what? He had to be in his almost thirty back then. Well, because they were an older team. He was so good as a back player that even when he could barely walk on his bum knee, he still was playing like limping right. around, you know. And just he was just such an amazing gunfighter and such an accurate shot. And Danny Love used to tell stories about how good his vision was. Like they'd be driving down the highway, and. You know, they'd be like, "Where? What exit is that?" And from like a billion miles away, he'd just be like, "Oh, it's you know Rampart Streets, exit 35." And then <laughs> they'd be like, "How do you see that?" He just had like ridiculously good vision. And uh, okay, so the, all right, who else There's, you got for me? Who else okay, you got this for me? this game. Fast forwarding a little bit, Oliver Lang. I mean, I think everybody has an Oliver Lang. Holy crap, story. Yeah, and I, this, I got a bunch of those. And I was watching this one game. I think I want to say we we're in Malaga. Maybe not Mali. We were somewhere overseas. They all kind of, all those trips blended in. Maybe in France. But I saw him. He was on one side of the field, I think by the snake. And he had saw, we had this big M over, overseas for the Millennium Series in the middle of the field. And he saw things going down. And he ran, <laughs> he ran from the snake side of the field, back of the snake, snake one, all the way through the M. Why five guys alive. There was two of them and one of, and five of them. Runs through the M. Bunkers the guy at the 50 drill on the other side of the field which is amazing at the 50 Dorito, comes around, runs down the wire, and shoots everybody in the side and in the back as he did this. There was only five players, but it was probably the most, it's probably one of my top five plays, obviously, ever. I was really, I was really, really impressed at, that, at the move. I mean, granted, this isn't when the, the teams overseas were bad. The teams overseas were pretty decent at this point. So it's not like he did it against some chumps. Mm-hmm. He did it against a pretty decent team. Yeah. So that move goes down as, you know, my oh my God move. That was pretty sick. Yeah. Um, Next one, Billy Saransky. Billy Saransky, this guy, he he was another one of those guys that were really slow, methodical players that would just pull stuff out of his butt. He's like a John Richardson. You know, John Richardson is one of those slow, methodic, uh, you know, that sees the whole field and just sees openings and trots down the field and shoots four or five people. Mm-hmm. And that's happened at the World Cup, and Aftershock is known for you know winning the World Cup at points. Mm-hmm. And this is at one of the World Cups. This is the transition from World. Uh, we had Hyperball, Airball, and the Woods at this ter- at this tournament. Mm-hmm. And he had actually run through, and I think he shot seven people this tournament. And it was actually this is when we picked him up in Avalanche because he actually played for Avalanche after this. 
But it was another tournament that, you know, you go out there, you shoot seven guys, you're going to impress people. Yeah. Um, top move of all time. God, man. Some of these moves I see these days, and, you know, I, we see a lot of moves. Um, Can I tell you Chris Osoya's story real quick? Yeah, go for it. So me and Shane Pestana are sitting out watching an Avalanche game. You guys were playing Rage, good team at the time. In the prelims at, uh, it was, I think it was at Gettysburg. It was at Gettysburg. Um, not on the star fields. This is when we had moved to that other airball field. Air Remember that one uh, event where the air broke and there was like three hour wait times for air? Right. Well, it's just me and him and we're out scouting this game because somebody else had to go watch some other game. And so we're sitting there on the sidelines and the game starts and we watched you go from the back center-ish. I think you actually were out a little bit and it was an airball field. And you go out and like, basically you never stop shooting your gun. You like, I, I don't know if you remember this game, but you came out and shot someone off the break and like called the hit. Referee goes and calls him out. Then you shoot someone out of their bunker and then you see a big move. So you take a big bite, like a huge bite all the way into the 50 at that point. And then no one really saw you get in the 50. So you like own the guy down the tape, the only guy that's really stopping you from doing anything because the other two guys that are really holding you up over there are dead. And then this is a 10-man game. This is 10-man paintball. So then there from that 50, you like wrap around and shoot another guy. And he was shooting at you, so you shot him in a gunfight. And then stand up over the top and proceed to run down like four more guys. So I think you <laughs> shot like seven dudes in a 10-man game against a good team at the time. And I mean, they were a low-ranked pro team, but they were still a pro team. And, uh, and, and Shane kind of, you know, and this is when this was the height of the like avalanche ironman rivalry you know so it's like we were all buddies off the field but this was kind of at the height of it you know so this was like you know to say somebody from avalanche had a really good game is like a big nod and we me and shane just kind of look over each other and just kind of like shake our heads and then uh, and shane goes man Lasoya is really fucking good at this. <laughs> i love that you That's know good. he's he's dude he was, <laughs> and, I was and i was like I was like, yeah, man, that was, that was a really, really, that was a really good game, you know. That's, uh, that's you know, that was we won that tournament actually. That was one of my favorite wins actually. That was out in the middle of nowhere, um, but it was a good tournament. Uh, but Shane, he's he's one of my, and that that that's you know, it's funny you say his name because top one of the top moves ever. But now, see, I wasn't there for this. I've only I only watched it on video, and I'm talking about the Masters, European Masters overseas, is in the woods. And this is when I want to be like that guy. He's one of those first guys. Him, Daryl Trent, you know, Shane. I'm talking about Shane, Daryl mm -hmm. Trent. Uh, those are I looked up to those guys when I when I was playing, um, you know, because I, they were they were older than me and you know they were they were at the top of their game back in the day, and uh, I remember Shane in the in this video I was watching uh, back this is back when Cameron I used to call everybody G's you know G one G two yeah. and he had a camera which is on. where that came from yeah, today because a lot of people wonder like what's yeah. why is it G count and yeah. like well that means when you shoot someone it's like one gone two yep. gone three gone. And yep. that just became synonymous with like a kill, right? You know? And the Ironman, the Ironman, pretty much patent. I think not just the Ironman, but I think I think they actually started. G1. They did start it, yeah. So anyway, that's that's where the G's came from. So Shane is out there and he plays his back in the ten man days again and out in the woods. And you see Shane with a camera on his gun, which is unheard of. It must have been one of those big ones that your parents had. You <laughs> it's know, like this is a Super <laughs> Eight camera super eight on, or you know, taped to what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But anyway, it was taping and he shot. It was a ten man game. He shot, um, I think, eight of the people. And I was like, man, I would be like that guy. And he, the people he was shooting were shooting at him. 
Mm-hmm. So it's not like he was just getting freebies. He got a couple freebies because he got behind him. But, you know, a majority of the people are shooting at him. And that's what made me say, hey, I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. I want to be aggressive, you know. And I'm like I said, I'm aggressive anyway. And it's just times like that that, you know, that form and, you know, shape you into the player you are today. Yeah. And a lot of these players, I see a lot of aggressive plays out of these kids. And a lot of the, the kids that you and I meet from these teams um, have a lot of respect for the older guys. Um, I mean, like myself and your guys. And, you know, there was a gap there for a little bit where people felt a sense of entitlement. Because we are oldest. Dirt. We are. I, well, I am. <laughs> I am for sure. I think God, you, you're, you're close to me, though. But we look good. We keep it clean. I am not a day. I'm 20. I actually just turned 25 not too long ago. No, I'm just kidding. I'm um, 35. Are you? Yeah. Well, you're older than me. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Well, you're, you're 25, I'm, right? I'm, I'm 29. I'm, I'm turning you're, 30 this year. <laughs> you are turning 30 this That's year? No way, Chris. I did. I have to oh, I had to pull the trigger. Have to have celebration. I, did, I had to pull the trigger. We're going to have to have a celebration Fine. for that. So, like I said, though, but it's it's the transition period that, um, you know, we have taken where a lot of these kids these days and, you know, they don't understand that back when we started playing, I was paying $125 for a case of, but back then cases were 2,500 rounds. They weren't, they weren't 2,000. Yeah. So I was paying $125 a case. I was paying for my flight. I was paying for my hotel. All this free stuff these, that these kids are getting these days, they don't understand where it came from. The, all the players like um, yourself, um, John, uh, Billy, you know, all, the, all these sponsorships, PMI, uh, National PayPal, everybody that sponsors the leagues these days have been around for so long, and it's because of their sponsorships that sooner Alerta came around that well, we're able to do what we're doing. Well, yeah. Well, that's like, you know, those like so national became Valken and mm-hmm. then PMI became key, you yep. know. So it's like there's there is a lot of carryover. And then, you know, Die and Planet. I mean, Planet, yep. those are like some of the OG guys from England. So the companies that exist now have really kind of been there. They're the incarnations of what used to exist. They're pretty much right. a lot of the same people over the past 20 years. Well, Die was a major supporter of me for the for the longest time mm-hmm. of Avalanche and me. I mean, what a, it's a package deal. Yeah. And by by them by them supporting myself, um, sponsoring me uh, and and making it making it easier for me to get to these terms cuz you play paintball, it, it it's a it's financially burden. It's a financial burden as everybody probably knows out there. Mm-hmm. But by getting to the place I did, I I got also got a return support from my sponsors which in turn let me go to these tournaments for without, without paying. Mm-hmm. And so all this sponsorship and all this stuff that you guys are getting out there, you know, you, you know, the flights and the, oh, the hotels or the free paint or everything, um, that all, you know, boils down to, to financial responsibility on somebody, whether it be you, whether it be the team owner, whether it be the, the sponsor, there's that money coming from somewhere. It's just not free. Do you still have, or can you remember the first like meaningful thing that you got for free? Yes, hundred percent. What is it? JT, John Gregory. Okay. One of one one of my you know I love that guy to death. Um, he he was one of my biggest I don't want to say fans or supporters or whatever. I don't know if he just saw something in me that he liked or whatever. Um, but Chuck Kench was the VP of something somewhere, which is you know. Mm-hmm. And John Gregory said, "Hey man, listen, it was my first sponsorship I ever got, and it was for five thousand dollars for a year, and." I was I was so was oh God I'm trying to think because I remember I used to get a quarterly check and I remember I I, I deferred my check one year the whole year one, no I deferred my check one quarter okay or like a few hundred dollars of it to put the U.S. flag on every jersey that was being that that was sponsored by JT and I can't remember I, there's something that happened I I want I, it might have been 
I, actually, it's hard for me to remember. Mm-hmm. I want to say there was something, there was some catac- catastrophe that happened um, where a bunch of people died, and um, I wanted the U.S. flag put on our jerseys. I think what year that it might have been. Man, I, I honestly, I can't remember. Was the Oklahoma bombing, maybe, or? It was something like that. It was something traumatic. Yeah. And I was, it was, it really, it really, it caused me problems because I lost a few friends or something. Like something happened, but mm-hmm. it was traumatic for me. Mm-hmm. And I remember I took my check and I said, "Look, I want you to put a U.S. flag on every JT sponsored team's jersey for the World Cup." And but I can't remember for the life of me what happened. It was a long time ago. Yeah. But I remember it was me and Rocky Cagnoni that both got sponsored at the same time. Mm-hmm. And this is back when JT was just killing it. Um, and this is on Avalanche. On Avalanche. So I'm this pretty, is this I want to say it's Avalanche. It must. But you gotta have been. I want to say it was 9/11. I want to almost say it was 9/11, 2001. 2001, but because that we were, ki- but no, I think it was before that though, because I was. 2001 was a pretty good year for Avalanche. Yeah, was, that was actually that's the year we won all those tournaments straight. Mm-hmm. Went overseas, you know. Back then, you won five or ten tournaments straight. You're you're the king. Yeah. You know now. Well, even still. Like, yeah, on but, a, yeah. Yeah. But but well, yeah. But it depended on the type of events. I mean, yeah, you played some events. You'd be like go to. Portugal or whatever, and there wouldn't be yeah, even yeah. all the American teams over there. Because at, at that point, like the European paintball league is getting really good. Right. But in you know the late '90s, European paintball wasn't at the level that American paintball was at. It just wasn't. You know, right. I mean, it's it's still you know the, the PSP obviously is the most competitive league in the world, but you know Millennium League's pretty good, and a lot of the top teams play or players play over there too. But it still doesn't have this every all the best guys you know there. Right. But but it's that's the you know the the other best you know competition in the world. Right. Well, finally. But at yeah, finally. But at the time, you're right. You know, it was because I remember we'd go to Europe and you see know. in the finals. <laughs> yeah, see exactly. The finals. We see in the finals. Yeah. We'd go out there and just beat the crap out of yeah. Them guys. Yeah, and it was. I mean, we'd be crossing our fingers too because you play some team, you'd be like, oh, we can't lose to this team. This like D three D eight team from like Bavaria or something. You know, you're like. Oh my God! I've been on that side of the field. yeah. <laughs> We've all lost just, to those teams got, too. We just lost to those guys. It's like, yo, did you just lose to the? That's uh, how they're throwing the gun is the Bavarian came Brewers. In. It's like, uh, yeah, duh, nah, we well, the refs, the refs screwed us, bro. We'd be <laughs> like, yeah, okay, that's sure, always dude, the whatever. answer. That was always our answer over there. Yeah. Well, that well, you did get screwed yeah, yeah, by the well, refs. Well, I, well, I, I still this day, it's one of my favorite stories with you. Is that I remember we were playing the finals in, and. Uh, and again, I apologize for our trips down memory lane, but God damn it, man. Is this these stories got to live, dude, because it's like, it, you know, this is the history of the sport. And it's like, I got, you know, Chris sitting here, you know, we're going to tell some, some goddamn stories. And it's like, I remember literally hearing, uh, we knew our G count because every time that one of them got shot, the crowd would boo <laughs> the whole crowd. And it was a pretty big overseas crowd. overseas in France, right? It was overseas in France in Toulouse at that soccer stadium. And so every single, and the crowd was packed. And every single time we, we shot someone, the crowd would boo. And then I'd look for a body to walk off. And sure enough, there'd be a French body walking off. They were playing the Tontons in the finals. And the, back then, the finals was like a round robin, four game or three game deal. And then, uh, and you guys got knocked out. You guys weren't playing in the finals. And we won that, that, that event. And, um, and that was a big event. The Toulouse event was big. Awesome. But we knew our G count because every single time we kill somebody, I just hear one voice and one voice only. And you are so goddamn loud. <laughs> you are still to this day super loud. And I'm loud too, but like you were louder than I am. And I just one voice screaming from the, the top. You weren't even sitting. You were on somehow found your way onto the, the overhang the of the stadium. You're on the roof <laughs> sitting up there. Just screaming and pointing, get that guy out of the ref, he's hit, that dude's hit, get him out, I saw it, he's cheating, he's cheating right now. And I just could, by the intensity of your voice, be like, ah, it's G2, you know? So, <laughs> I remember that. I was, I was, I'd, I'd been a couple of T's, 
you know, a couple of vodkas. <laughs> I was I was pretty unsober, but I surprised I didn't fall off that roof. Actually. Yeah, I was gonna say that's definitely not the safest <laughs> thing in the world. Get uh, knocked out. You're in Europe, like beer garden. Yeah, yeah. But, but those those honestly were the best years of our life. Though. Those yeah. those teas over those you know terms overseas. Yeah, and you know they took a lot of direction from the PSP. You know because we've with this league we've transform paintball into something that is so viewable and so much fun fun mm-hmm. you know for all the people like all these kids that are coming up we see kids these i see a lot of kids out there these days with a lot of families and it's very very it's cool to see that with the family support because i didn't get that when i was younger i didn't get that you either know, because my family didn't see the well i didn't see the big picture i was just hoping and you know here i am thank god um but you know you see the family support and these kids and you know i hear moms oh thank you you know your dads are just thanking us for what we're doing right now and you know supporting them in what they're doing and with the support from the PSP you know just really helps out well you know because the whole reason paintball access exists is because there is this really interesting thing that's going on and it's professional paintball and you know we that's why I want to hear your stories because you're one of those guys it's like having a god it's it's tough to, to draw a parallel but realistically you know it's like you take like a Pele you know in soccer who kind of defined what it was like to be a soccer superstar at a certain time. And then now a lot of people emulate that, that type of style. I mean, you were that guy and you know, there's not a lot of magazines and we still have some, there's still a lot of people doing good work, but we got to make sure that those stories live. And that's what paintball access is about. It's like making sure that that story lives and that people can, you know, these guys that are out there that are the best players in the entire world, really, you know, I mean, there's 7 billion people on this planet and, you know, a a couple million of them have played paintball last year alone, you know? So the fact that you have this 150 or so deep crew that is the professional division in the PSP that are the best paintball players on planet earth and are, and honestly also it's interesting because they're also some of the best gunfighters on earth and it's, you know, it's, it's tough to draw the parallel, but you know, it's not like real guns or anything, but every time that I've ever done military training with, and I, we bring in guys that are pro paintball players, they always destroy cops and seals and whoever is put in front of them, regardless of whatever weapon system that's being used. So there's this really interesting skill that these guys are, are good at. And it's a fascinating story and they have interesting lives, you know? So it's like you led one of those lives for a long time. And a lot of it was documented by magazines at the time, but this was pre, you know, this was when in order to do anything that had anything to do with the video it was a very expensive proposition. But thanks to the advances in technology, we're able to do a webcast that has a professional level of, of coverage, but it's, you know, it doesn't cost it, you know, it costs a lot of money, <laughs> but, and it's a very expensive proposition, but it's, it's, you know, compared to 10 years ago, what it used to cost, it would cost us $2 million a year, literally $2 million a year or more to do what we're doing now, that's, that would be literally be the bill. Like I've been involved in, in those TV shows where, you know, you have a big gigantic production and, and it's expensive. So, you know, that's kind of cool, but that's the purpose of it is that to get those stories of the people that are doing this right now out there, because it's fascinating, it's interesting, and it's, it's really hard, you know, it's, it's really hard to be good at paintball, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those, it's like golf, dude. It's one of those like minutes to learn, lifetime to master type thing. And you constantly, you know, you know, you never are as good as you are in your head, you know, and you're always trying to get to that, that perfection. It's impossible, but that's a noble goal, you know? Well, the, you know, you say that and one thing that's exactly well put in is that 
I never had those people to teach me how to do things. I had to do it by trial and error. And that quote you said earlier was was on point. You know, it's I had to try new things and and experiment with things and make sure you know, hey, look, oh, I do it once. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, that just work? I couldn't believe it. Half the time I do stuff, I'm like. They, people would ask me, what did you do? I'm, and honestly, I black out sometimes during those times. <laughs> and I, and I'm, I swear to God, people ask me, well, did you go here and then go there? I'm like, I'll really be honest with you. I don't know. And people think I'm being an ass, but I really honestly don't know. I just know that what I was doing before I did it, and I know the end result. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of weird. It's kind of like a stream of consciousness thing. It, it's something like that. I mean, and like I said, if you're not willing to take risks and chances, then you'll not you know advance your game. You're going to stay where you are. Yeah, but it's also interesting, but it's like, you know, I mean... I know you were in the, and I, I hate having this side of the conversation because it's not a direct parallel, parallel, but at the same time, you know, you, you were kind of like, when I went, I took Oliver at one time out to a military training exercise and we were there training with recon marines, SEALs, we were doing the whole deal and it was like, you know, we were using, not using like tournament guns, I mean it was military s scenarios, that whole deal. Oliver did a move against this this uh, team of seals and shot everybody. And you know, yes, it's, it was just a paintball exercise, not real guns. But when you're super close, you know, house to house, that type of thing, the reaction time, the mentality, the killer be killed instinct is there. And Oliver finished his move, and and the guy that was that was training the running the whole deal came up to me, and he was like. You know, I've never I've never seen that before. Like I've never seen anybody move like that in a in a force on force scenario like this. Like that's next level type shit, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was kind of interesting. So it's like you kind of coming up with these ways to, you know, move through these, you know, these situations is is an interesting thing because it, it, it ended up being a lot of you know, the, there are certain guys like Billy Saransky and Richie Malchewski and yourself that kind of defined aggressive paintball and really were the guys that everyone else was looking to at the time and seeing like okay it's like music you know it's like well what lick is joe satriani playing what lick is eric clapton playing what song did the eagle what hit did the eagles just write you know i mean the eagles like i was just dude i watched this documentary on the eagles the other day blew me away like if anyone gets showtime on demand watch the eagles documentary there's so many parallels there to paintball as far as there's a big band of a bunch of talented guys and they all had different personalities and a lot of alpha males and there's like three or four alpha males in the mix and uh, out of like six or seven or eight guys and it was a really fascinating story and that's the biggest billing biggest selling band of all time like that they've sold over a hundred million records worldwide that's insane that's you know crazy. like they are the number one selling band of music of any type of music for all of humanity that the ever <laughs> that's ever existed you know so it's a fascinating story but it's like at the time it was you know you had two major alpha male like personalities really kind of creatively different and also you know it was it was uh glenn glenn fry and uh and don henley and they were the best singers in the band and they were, you know, and so they, they were the creative genius that was behind the Eagles. And, you know, like, and, and one of the interesting things about that was Don Henley, who's one of the top selling recorders, art, recording artists of ever and was one of, and, and not only was he a solo like phenom, but in the early eighties, but he also was, you know, the, the most best singer and most creative guy out of that band. 
And, uh, and when he was a child, he grew up in Texas and he lived in the middle of nowhere and at a small town and he would just beat just, he was a drummer, lead singer and a drummer. And so he would drum on everything he possibly could just drum on. And, you know, one day his mom was like, Hey, get in the car. And they, she drove him an hour and a half to another small town, but that was bigger than theirs and at a music store and they bought a, a set of drums and they really couldn't afford it at the time, but it was worth for her worth that investment to feed the passion of her child and that guy ended up becoming Don Henley you know so it's like that's interesting that that may have never happened if it wasn't for one human being seeing the dream and or see not even a dream at the time because it's a kid but seeing the passion and talent in in her child and being like you know what you know I'm gonna and which is any that's like anytime I see a dad or you know, somebody that's the parents really stoked, like the Bortles or, you know, from the, the vicious yeah. family. Like mm-hmm. anytime I see that, I'm just like, God, you know, like that's so awesome because Brian Bortles is an amazing paintball player. He's yeah. one of the best in the world. And if it wasn't for his parents seeing his ability and his drive and his talent to do something and trying to want him to do that more, we never would have had Omaha vicious, which is one of the awesome stories in paintball ever, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's one of those cool things. And it's, you know, so it's like, yeah, watch the Eagles documentary, man. That was that was really fascinating. But so, you know, because you were one of those guys that was just kind of like coming up with this stuff on the fly. Like, where did that come from? Yeah, you know, and, and honestly, it was more of a trial and error thing. I mean, oh, that didn't work. <laughs> so I tried something different. You know what I mean? It was it was back in it was everything started. You could be a lot more aggressive in the woods because there's so much more crap in the way. You know, and I, I just took that mentality and I, I focused on taking the trees out of the way and just inputting something else, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to me, I looked at, I looked at these airball fields and the higher ball fields is nothing more than just small trees, you know, and there's always a lane and there's always a way and there's always a blind spot and there's always this, and there's always a way to get to the other side of the field and shoot everybody in the back. And that was my philosophy. I wanted to get over there as quick as possible because I will catch you off guard. The more time I take, the more time it takes you to realize what I'm doing, you know? So I just took the philosophy to do it as quick as possible and see what happens. Now, like I said, you know, 80% of the time it wouldn't work, but that 20% of the time it worked, you know, people would be like, wow, you know, and it kind of give that wow factor. And, and, and as the 20% worked, I, I learned how to do it better. And I certainly learned how to do it quicker and I learned how to do it faster and with more, you know, precision and, and making things, you know, to my advantage. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things like Oliver has this and I, I compare Oliver a lot to me. I think he plays a lot like I do. Um, and I used to beat the crap out of that kid when he was younger. Little his, his little blonde spikes they used to have. <laughs> uh, but I mean, he was—he's always been that. He—he he was one of those kids. Alex, yourself, um, Ryan. I mean, everybody. All—all you, all you guys that have have had nothing but most respect for older people like myself. And you guys always would ask questions and are always respectful and always nice. And if you're that person, I will be more than happy to tell you how I just killed you and how I just smoked your whole team. Because you get better, you make me better. You know, uh, at this point, I mean, I, I, the reason I'm up in this tower with you is because I'm not nearly as good as I used to be. I'm getting older. The fact of the matter is just the way it is. Now you've, you and, uh, and Paypal Access have given me the opportunity to give back to what has given me so much over the years. And now if I can take all my knowledge and, and tell people, hey, man, this is what you need to do. You know, and it, some people, some of these kids take it and some people are like, oh, whatever. You know, uh, I'll give knowledge to anybody if they just ask me. Now, if you can take it and you're respectful about it, then I'll give you more. If, you're, if you take it and you kind of blow me off, then you can figure it out yourself, you know, and, but because painful access has given me the opportunity to come up here and say, look, this is how I did it. You know, follow the steps, be respectful 
and just keep doing what you're doing, you're going to make it someday. Because there's a lot of opportunity here for a lot of kids. And if they just take the opportunity that they have, given by yourself, people access, you know, me and try and tell everybody what's going on, then they'll succeed. So how did you get how did you get started into paintball like where did it come from you know i mean where was where you from by the way um i like where were you born and raised here, here I, and here's the decision i know I you made. told me the story but we need to bring yeah it to so people. i mean i was i was born in north carolina mm-hmm. you were born in north carolina i was i did not know that my dad was in vietnam he came back we moved to iowa uh dubuque iowa to be precise mm-hmm. so i'm a midwest kid grew up in midwest in iowa until the third grade moved to texas went from texas then I moved to Connecticut. Connecticut, went to Taiwan for a little bit, came back real quick. So you're an army brat. Army brat. Well, actually, no, because when I got out of the military in the Vietnam, we went to, to, to Iowa. Okay. Can, we came to Texas because my dad was an underwater welder for a okay. company called Schaefer Diving. So he used to go out and get up down to, down to uh, you know, an underwater weld on these big oil rigs. Well, then we moved to Pennsylvania, uh, Connecticut. Well, actually, Pennsylvania was first because my dad was unemployed for a little bit. Uh, we, were in a, we were in a very, you know, we were a poor family. And uh, so my dad was constantly looking for work, you know, moved from Pennsylvania, moved to Connecticut. My dad was constantly looking for work. Finally, we settled in in uh, Cocoa Beach, Florida. My dad got hired by NASA. So my dad is my dad is a super intelligent guy. Um, he does a lot of stuff for nuclear power plants and so on and so forth. So I ended up in Florida, uh, went to high school, grew up with Kelly Slater. Most people don't know that. Well, yeah, I used to serve with Kelly, Kelly Slater in high school all the time. No way. Oh, yeah, Kelly, Kelly Slater, Tom Carroll, all those people. We grew up together. Really? And I, I picked paintball. <laughs> I kind of wish good I would choice, Chris, I, Good yeah, choice, Chris. Good choice. You know, I, I'm happy with my choice. I'm happy with my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, my dad, for the first time, I went playing paintball with his company as a team-building operation, our team-building thing, because they used to do for teamwork and stuff. And went out and played for the first time, and I got hooked. It was, like, in, like, 86, maybe 87. I mean, we're talking oil-based paint. Nell spots, you know, shooting 500 feet per second after two shots off the CO2, you know, little 12 grams. Yeah. So we, we did that. I did that for a while. Um, my dad wouldn't buy me a paintball gun, so I couldn't play. I used to work at Eckerd's, which is like a, a you know, CVS or whatever, and used to develop film. And my grandma actually went behind my dad's back and bought me um, a gun for my first gun, a little Nell spot. And I started playing paintball. Uh, I used to find the money myself, and we got and play, blah, blah, blah. One thing led to another. Um, Went to, got out of high school, 91. Yeah, so you know how old I am. <laughs> um, went to Colorado, was in the military for a while. Started playing with a team called Easy Company. Used to play up at the Mountain High Series, 13,000 feet. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up moving back to Iowa. Well, on the way to Iowa, I stopped in Kearney, Nebraska, and I saw a paintball store. That's where I went, and I met Ed Poorman. So I met Ed Poorman, and me and him, he's like, hey, we're going to play right now. And I'm like, oh, cool, let's go play. So I went out and played with those guys. Pretty much kicked the shit out of them all day. But Ed Poorman actually impressed me. He was actually played pretty good. So I went back to Iowa, and then one time we decided, hey, I want to go play the MPPL in Dallas. But this is back when there was one league. You know, there was nothing. There was, paintball was pretty sparse, and yeah. it was like regionals, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to the first national tournament, and I got this team together. And it was Ed Poorman who helped finance some of it, and it was me and a bunch of my old friends. Went out there, got our butt kicked all over the place. This is Easy Company. Yeah, this is Easy Company. And we started, uh, that's when I was refing the tournaments and watching these, you know, we get our butt kicked, we get out, and I'd watch the guys and ref them. And I learned how to play paintball a little better each time, each time here and there. And then um, Easy Company eventually turned into a team called Avalanche, as you all know. Mm-hmm. That's OG Avalanche. Yeah. And um, Scotty Flint, who's an old school friend of mine, you, you know Scotty Flint, mm-hmm. he actually has a team called Fury right now that plays in the PSP, I think Division One. Uh, they're really a good team. 
So Scotty Flint decided, hey, as a good marketing tool, let's call ourselves Avalanche. This is before Colorado Avalanche hockey team ever existed, by the way. So we call ourselves Avalanche. Um, we picked up a few players here and there, got Billy Saransky, and then we placed third in Pittsburgh one year. And that, that just set a whole chain of events off. Sponsors here, and I was talking about earlier, you know, people coming and supporting you, and then, you know, all these years of me spending all this money playing paintball finally paid off. Now people are giving me money to play paintball, and they're supporting us and, you know, support sponsorships. So Avalanche, you know, we kicked the crap out of everybody for a long time. Um, Avalanche eventually turned into Miami, Miami Effect. Effect. Mm -hmm. Miami Effect, as you know, was one of the premier X-Ball teams, which is now Race 2-7. Mm -hmm. um, so Miami Effect, it was me, Dave, your boy Davey. Um, I think we tried to pick you up, but you said no. Um, yeah. yeah it, it was a good team. It was John Richardson. It was the all. Oh, it was a great team. It was, it was funny because like Davey, it was because we brought Davey back to excessive, even though Davey got cut off the Ironman for being an asshole. Like that is <laughs> why he got cut from the Ironman. It had nothing to do with how good he was because he's damn good. But uh, but I love Davey, man. Davey's one of my best friends. But yeah, he was an amazing player. It was you, him. Um, John, had, uh, Jeremy. John, yeah, John, Jeremy, um, Travis Samansky. Uh, Ryan Fowl. Ryan, Ryan Mark Fowl. Knopp. Lots of good talent Mark on Knopp, that Rusty team. Glaze. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah Rusty Glaze, current coach of Dynasty. Yeah, really good team. So One we, of the best. Yeah, we, we, well, I mean, I appreciate that. We, we had a really good team, and we had a good solid run. Um, you know, and then, you know, one thing led to another, and, uh, you know, that team transformed itself into what is now infamous. So, I mean, I, I, I've pretty much back in the day, I was responsible for, you know, helping it, how long getting Avalanche started, Miami Effect started, and then, you know, of course, today is infamous. Um, that's that honestly is that's still my my blood right there all that whole team you know me and Travis Lamassi you know Brian Fowl and those guys started that team and you know with people want understand that they say well you're you're a whore you know you trade teams you, you go here you go there all the time but what they don't realize is the reason that happens is because life happens as you get older you know you know life happens and you got to start changing things you know changing your sponsors if you have one sponsor and your team goes another way you know you got to go where the money is and it's just the way, it, at, the, at the end of the day, it's the way it is. So that's why I left Infamous. Not because I wanted to, it's because I kind of had to. So I was working with one company, um, they went sponsored by another, and you know, it just, it's just the way the world, you know, what happens. Yeah, well, I mean, at that point, paintball was your livelihood. You yeah, know? no, it, so that's what, it's, it's it, what it was more like, it wasn't so much that, I mean, yeah, you had to leave the team, but it's your job at that point. So it's way different than you yeah, know, yeah. other situations. And, but, but people don't see that, though. They just, they just see me leaving a team. They just see me playing with one team and all of a sudden going somewhere else. They don't realize of, you know, why I did that. You yeah. know, if I play for this team, well, while all of a sudden next year, you know, you're unreliable. I'm not unreliable. I'm a very reliable person when it comes to stuff like that. You know, I'm good to people and I'm good to, good to the people that are good to me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, if that's what happens and I got to change, then so be it. You know, it's, it's, I, got, I, got a, I got a family to take care of. Yeah. And I got to do whatever it takes to make that happen. If whether, you know, it's shooting you in the face or playing with you, you know, that's just the way it is. Yeah, for sure. So when you look back on your time, what were the best, what do you, where do you feel like the best years were? Um, the whole transition from Avalanche when we had Steve Rabikoff, Travis, when we, the year we started kicking everybody's ass with Avalanche up until the day I left Infamous. Those were the best years of my life. In Avalanche to, Aval Avalanche to, Infam to uh, Miami Effect to Infamous, all those years were some of the best years of my life. Not only did we get to kick everybody's ass all the time, but we get to hang out with our friends, you know, me and you. And I mean, God, we all grew up together. Mm -hmm. And th those times of our life were, you know, untouchable. I mean, you know, 
the only things that are going to make that better are the times that I have with my girl. That's it. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, it, it, I think that's the most fascinating thing about the the paintball lifestyle. And I think that there's a lot of aspects to the game itself that you can bring to real life because everything kind of slows down once you start training in, in that paintball mode, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like I was my, my favorite way to say it, it's like adrenaline Zen. You know, I mean, your 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 brain is pumping so much of the adrenaline because it's the whole fight or flight thing. But you're forced to think you're forced to comprehend things that are coming at you, what's happening. And you find a certain Zen moment in that, you know, that's why when people are like, oh, I just want to go play paintball because everything else just I don't think about anything else when I'm there. Yeah, that's what Zen is. You know, I mean, that's that whole kind of principle of, you know, trying to find uh, because anything it's like anything that happens in in the future that doesn't hasn't happened yet so if you're worrying about something that happens in the future <laughs> that doesn't really mean shit because you're selling like my wife <laughs> yeah, yeah well just you know because you know it is it's like that's in the future so it's like worrying about it yeah you have to stay attentive to your goals and you need to be working towards something but that's stuff that may or may not happen things that happened in the past like that that's already gone dude like it's gone it's over with so if you're troubling yourself and most human beings live their life either haunted by the past or or fearful or kind of, you know, kind of on edge about the future. And so they skip the most important thing, the only thing that really exists, which is that current moment. And, and that's that's a kind of a Buddhist, kind of you know, new age way to think about life. But that's very true. And also that's what paintball brings you, because when you're out there playing, Man, you really are only there at that moment, just playing yeah. the game. You I, know? I can definitely agree with that. I mean, it's just, uh, and you know, just hanging out with you, I mean, over these past couple of years, I mean, it's, God, I don't think people understand exactly how intelligent this guy is. <laughs> like, I, I put marks, I put marks on my paper every time he says a word I can't understand so I can Google it when I'm done. Because, um, he writes speeches for political people. This, this guy's, <laughs> you don't know that about you. I, I'm, I think you're, I don't, I'm serious, man. Maddie Marshall is just, I don't think he ever says, um, and if he does, it's probably, no, I totally say, um, you see, I, um, I also, only cause only cause I'm probably doing something <laughs> stupid next to you. No, but seriously, I mean, just listening to you talk and the way you speak and you, you put it perfectly right there. It's when you play paintball, you go out there and there is nothing else going on because I, I mean, I do live a very stressful life in the club business and you know, it's just, there's a lot of, you know, there's, I have so much stuff going on. I need to go out and shoot somebody. Well, I mean, with a paintball gun. Yeah. Let me, let, me put that, <laughs> let, me, let me put that right. No, but I have to go play because when I go play, it definitely relaxes me. I don't care if I'm getting blown to pieces or if I'm, you know, if I'm shooting somebody. It doesn't make any difference. As long as I'm out there playing, it's it takes my mind off of everything else. And, uh, you know, it's very therapeutic. It is. And so there's that element of it because when you decide to do that, and it doesn't, and there's a lot of activities like this, whatever it is, you're, you know, uh, surfing, surfing, bike riding, exactly. snowboarding, jujitsu. I mean, there's a lot of these different elements that you can do and you get out there and it's very focusing, which when then when you come back into your life, it's, it's invigorating because you're now a little bit more focused and you have, you have the ability to kind of see things with clarity. But then also, I think one of the greatest things about paintball is that you have a situation where, okay, well, paintball is a team activity. It's not just something you, you, yeah, sure, you can go play rec, and that's super fun, and everyone should definitely do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's awesome. I love, I still do that to this day yeah, occasionally. Go yeah. and just have fun, and then that's all you. And you can do that big games, too, and scenario side if you want, like, a little bit more intense experience. But when you choose to play in the tournament scene, that's a 
that's a very interesting thing because now you're dealing with all these other chaotic personalities and all these other people. And so you have the ability to work with these other human beings. And that's why I was saying that, that, you know, you watch documentaries about bands or, you know, that's another situation where you're trying to accomplish a goal. You're trying to do something. It takes everyone to do that. So you all have to come together, get on the same page and do that thing very well together in order to be successful. Mm -hmm. And that is also another thing that you can take to real life too, because that's life, man. I mean, whether it's a marriage or a family or a job or cohabitating with whatever it is, (laughs) like you can take that element to your regular life and... And, and also that's when things are kind of the volumes turned down a little bit, you know, because if you're talking about who needs to take the trash out, like that really shouldn't be more stressful than who needs to get into and get into the snake first. Yep. You know, you're not getting shot at. You're not screaming at each other. You know, there's not a time limit, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got to get the trash cans out to the street before Monday morning. But still, you know, like it's. And yeah, I got I'm so glad you brought that up because in the club business, there are so many different levels of intelligence and so many different levels of personality. And it life skills, man. I, that's, I'm so glad you brought that up because I didn't. I mean, I thought of that, but I didn't really think too much about it. It's I'm, it's managing people, you know, just working together. Because you're right, there are so many different personalities out there in life. Yeah. And it's like the military preaches, you know, leadership, blah blah blah. It's nothing different. Yeah. And it's it's hard when you got seven people or ten people screaming at each other for who got shot when and what happened. Why'd you just lose? To calm that situation down and refocus to get the next game a minute and a half later. That, that takes a lot of skill. Yeah, no, it, it really, really does take a lot of skill. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, it, it's a big lesson. And, in, and when it's happening in an intense moment and you get that enough times, like if you get that every weekend, if you're training on a team, you go back to regular life and all of a sudden you're arguing about a report that everyone needs to work on. It's like, man, all we need to do is get thing a from department one and get this and we're good to go. (laughs) Like we got a week to do this. I, you know, we had to come up with a plan to take down this, this, this D one team that we're playing. We're D three team. And we got to figure that out in 10 minutes. You know, that's a lot more complicated. All right. So, uh, um, thank you for listening to part one of the Chris Osoya real deal podcast. And we got part two coming at you. Make sure to check out paintballaccess.com for all the inside scoop on what's going on in the sport, insight, stories, everything that's going on behind the scenes. We'll see you guys next time.